Is it Kelsey? Yeah, Kelsey. And you prefer John or Jonathan? John is fine. A little easier for you. How do you pronounce your last name? Oh, I can't even pronounce my own last name. It's my husband's Hogstad, but it's got a weird accent because he's Dutch. His father was Dutch. He's South African. It's very confusing, but okay. it's difficult. So yeah. don't don't stress too much over it. But Hogstad is probably the closest. <laughs> okay. That's very unique. I was trying to pronounce it. Me and my wife were going back and forth with different versions of it, and that was not one of them. <laughs> the easiest name when people are trying to search for you on social media you know <laughs> yeah absolutely well my wife has been following you for quite some time she loves the information that you put out on social media uh, she finds it very uh, informative and also very relatable so I started following you and and I too thought the same and I love your your slogan that you have in your Instagram handle it's live uh oh dang it I forgot it it's like eat clean live dirty I think is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, live dirty. I can't remember where that originally came from. A few sources have cited it since, but I've just always loved it as well. I think we've moved so far away from that as a society. And it's really that simple. Like all the health advice and, you know, absolute bullshit that you see online. Like if you just strip it back, that's the simple answer. And <laughs> it yeah. doesn't have to be more complicated. Yeah, no, that's that's really, uh, I guess, really good info. My, my wife and I are on this like health journey as well, trying to remove, you know, uh, toxic pans from the house, not use plastic and stuff like this. So how did your journey start? Where where did you begin? Because I imagine uh, you probably had some type of awakening in your life, right? Yeah, it, it always works out that way. Nobody works in holistic wellness unless they've like gone through their own, you know, experience with it. But uh, I mean, I grew up probably eating Pop-Tarts every single day for breakfast for like almost three decades of my, like every single day growing up. I mean, even as an adult, I was eating Pop-Tarts and cereal for a long time because that's what what I knew, you know, that's the life I grew up with. Uh, But it wasn't until I think it was a point in time where I was working in New York City. So my background's actually as an interior designer. Uh, I was working in New York City and I just remember hating, like absolutely hating the work I was doing. Like I was just telling very rich people to buy absolute junk that they didn't need, like to make a space filled with more toxic crap and everybody was angry and hating their life and stressed. I just thought like, what is going, this is not the dream. Like, you know, you kind of, when I was working in these really nice like penthouse apartments, you kind of would think like, oh, walking into that space, like that's the dream. That's what you're working towards. But everybody was miserable. Everyone hated everything. Everyone was stressed. I was like, this is not, this is the top. Like, this is where I'm going. Like, no, this is just not the way. Right. Um, so I started traveling. I would like basically condense all of my projects because I was working like relative freelance style, but I would condense all my projects into like seven or eight months so I could then travel for like the rest of the year, three or four months or whatever, because I just needed that time to just get out of the country, basically. Uh, and that's when I met my husband, which is pretty cool. We we ended up crossing paths traveling. Um, and then eventually, you know, we ended up connecting more. And it was over the course, like from the initial time we met, I think it was a few years later that we actually started to have conversations and get to know each other. But we kind of had crossed paths because we were both traveling and ended up meeting similar friends and whatever. Um, And then not long after that, I ended up booking a ticket to London because that's where he was living at the time. Uh, So I moved to London within that same year. We ended up pregnant with our our first daughter. We ended up getting married. It was easier for me to move to Europe or in this case, UK at the time than it was for him to move to the US. It was much more complicated with all the logistics and whatever. So I ended up making the move there. Uh, And with our first daughter being born, I really just had to think 
like my life through because I was like, well, do I want to start a design career in London? I hated that in New York. I now have this really unique opportunity where I'm living in a different country. I'm, you know, starting a family, like the whole world is changing. Like, what is it I actually, I actually want? Uh, and so I started going through that whole like midlife, quarter life crisis, whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Like my life was just totally different. Uh, and then after my daughter was born, I actually ended up having like really bad postpartum depression. Mm. Um, and at the same time, as I was going through that and doing it pretty like close quarters, I, it wasn't something I was talking about or sharing with anybody. Uh, my brother actually took his own life. And that was a huge wake up call. So I was like in this weird lifestyle shift where I was in a new country, starting a family, like changing careers, then going through depression. And then I saw what happened with my brother. And I thought, well, is that the other side? Like, I didn't want to be the person working for the penthouse life. But then I also saw somebody who, you know, I loved so much, like who I thought was the happiest guy in the world, like take take that choice. And I thought, what is actually going on? And just everything changed for me. And that's when I thought there's got to be a better way to live to live life and that was kind of the the big wake-up call into holistic wellness and just as i've done it with myself and my family being able to share that has become more important for me this podcast episode is brought to you by signature touch signature touch is veteran owned and operated and it was started by my wife and myself with a mission to provide the highest quality all-natural skincare products made from ethically sourced ingredients. We have body butters, lip balms, and deodorants. And the best part is you could use it on yourself and they're safe for everyone in the family, including your children. My wife's favorite body butter is Bernilla. It's made with bergamot and vanilla botanical extract. People say it smells like key lime pie. My favorite is Lavincense. It's made with lavender essential oil and frankincense. It makes your skin feel so nourished, but it's also good on bug bites and rashes. Check us out today. The website is OurSignatureTouch.com. Use code JLA to receive 10% off your first purchase. The website, it's OurSignatureTouch.com. That's got to be very scary. So you're originally from the United States, and uh, you're sounds like you're fairly young when you moved to, to London. Was that scary? I was I was 27 so yeah I was I was young it definitely wasn't expected that wasn't uh, the way I saw my life going <laughs> at how, all How did your uh, your uh how did your parents take it I imagine they were kind of upset right Yeah they hated it <laughs> to be honest I was living in New York City and they were living in Maryland mm. so we were only like a 3 hour drive away but they still never came to visit cuz even 3 hours was was so far you know um and then when I moved abroad, they the big argument was like, you're going to be so far away. You know, we're never going to see you. I was like, I've lived in New York three hours from you guys for like eight years now. And you've come to visit me once. Like, what's the difference now getting on a plane for six hours? Like, right. It's not that. So after a while, you know, it kind of calmed down. And now, you know, everything is fine. But yeah, it was a big, it was a big shock. I think they had the dream of like, you know, their kids buying properties down south in the same neighborhood where they were going to live and their grandkids were going to be. And, you know, the, the typical like American dream, I think, but yeah, yeah, they got over it. It's fine. Well, do you I think, think about, do you think about doing that now, now that you're in this space of like holistic health, like living on more land and probably raising your own cattle and stuff like that? Is that something that I'm sure you can do that where you're at? I want like 50 chickens. I want <laughs> the goats. I want the sheep. I want all the things, you know, I want my own like solar pan. I want, I want all of that. 
Um, but the weirdest thing of being out of the United States is you see the United States from a perspective that you would never see it when you're in it. And although I miss the convenience, I miss having American friends, which sounds crazy, but you just have a different sense of humor. You know, a lot of times I'm sarcastic and <laughs> don't always get it, you know, so I have to kind of watch what I say and how I say it. Um, but it's, it's, you miss like the people who, who understand you in that regard, but seeing it from the perspective, I've seen it living outside of the country. I would never raise my kids there. Mm. And I, and I, that, that breaks my heart a little bit sometimes because I did have that dream for a long time. And I still go back to it often because I think how nice it would be to have my parents close by and to have friends up the street and like, you know, people that I grew up with around, but I just seeing the the lifestyle I could provide them somewhere else. It's just mind blowing. Like you just don't see it the same way once you leave it. That's intense. I mean, you're born in America and you, you wouldn't raise your kids. What, what's the reason behind that? It's, I don't even know if I can explain it as, as well as I'd like to. Um, but even the way it's like the, the U.S. has its own bubble of like information and of, of what the beliefs are. And, and I feel like within that bubble, there's different sides and different people that kind of fight different battles. But there's a whole other world outside of that that makes up a bigger part of what's happening on our planet. And it's almost like there's just no connection. And like the way that people in other countries see what's happening in the U.S., it just it's mind blowing that. Like, it's just not being seen the same way, mm. whether it's I mean, like a very simple, so a simple example, I suppose, would be like the amount of when we're talking about health and wellness, right? The amount of ingredients that are banned from European foods, the fact that like you know, there are thousands upon thousands of like toxic ingredients that are still being approved and let into like the food supply that they're feeding the people that in Europe, they would never even like it, it, people look at that and they think, what are they doing to their people? Like, how is that even so legal, you know? And so many people in the US just aren't even aware and nobody's doing anything to change it. Nobody cares enough to change it. Maybe it's not in people, but I don't know what the deal is. But like, I didn't see it to that degree until I left and saw the actual food and the way people were living and the lifestyle and the diet and all the things from other places, you look back and you think, holy shit, like what's actually going on in there? Yeah. And, and I saw it until I left it and really started to understand it from like being able to compare two totally different places, you know? I'm so glad you brought that up because that was one of the questions I was going to, or one of the topics I wanted to talk about was the amount, it's not just like agriculture, it's everything from beauty, cosmetic products, to ingredients that go into the food, to the chemicals that get sprayed on crops. It seems like the UK, uh, Europe, uh, every other country is kind of four or five steps ahead of the United States when it comes to banning toxic chemicals and prohibiting these nasty ingredients from being put in our food. It seems like the U.S. is always two or three or four years behind those other countries. And some of these ingredients that get put in, like our arm deodorants, uh, lotions, it's crazy. It's mind-blowing that we think as Americans that this is – our mindset is if we go to the store, everything that's on our store shelves are vetted and they're safe. But they're actually yeah. not. They're actually not. 
you it's hard you'd be hard pressed to find something that's natural now everyone throws around the word natural but it's it's tough to actually find a natural product in america yeah yeah i would even i would argue it's even the reverse you know it's not that like the us is four or five steps behind i think europe just kept things more traditional in that regard they've mm-hmm. advanced in a lot of ways but they still like have traditional values in the way that they, you know, take care of each other in community, in diet, in the way, even the the way that they eat. It's not just the foods they eat, but in the way that they eat, it, it's a celebration. It's a community thing. It's a, you know, those, those aspects where, yes, of course, Europe has, has evolved in like the way that they see other people's beliefs and they accept people from different backgrounds and whatever. So I'm not saying traditional in that sense, but some of the core values of like, taking care of each other and and trying to support the people and the communities and the farmers around you. Like that's still very much a part of this culture. So I think the U S like is not even necessarily behind. I think that they just went too far mm. advanced yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it needs to rein it back in. Like you're forgetting what makes us us, Yeah, you know, you're overdevelop everything and it's, it's like gone too far where now it's, pushing people over the edge and like we're, we're losing people because you're, you've taken it like too, it was too far removed from, you know, what's natural, what's, what it's actually like to be a human. Yeah. I read something from, I don't remember if it was out of the UK or Europe, but, uh, or, or, or wherever, but someone was saying how like the differences in the way other countries raise their kids versus the United States. And it's, they're almost uh, a nuisance. Like kids are looked at as a nuisance in the United States. Like it's always like the parents want to get away from the kids and a couple of nights out instead of including children in the festivities. Um, I, I, I don't know how to articulate how the article was written, but it was, it was almost a shining light about how other countries embrace children in the celebrations. And it's, everyone brings their kids to the house and the kids all play together in America. It's looked at like kids are kind of just kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Is that what we had a huge, huge holiday weekend here? Um, was it just last week? It was a big like weekend of celebrations and there were kids like my girls are three and five. And they're out playing at 11 p.m. Like the the streets are dark, the nightlights are out, but there's music playing, the families are eating. Like it was a late celebration and the streets were filled with kids. But if I had taken my kids out at that age in the U.S. to go meet a friend at, at a party or a barbecue or whatever, it would have been immediate judgment. You shouldn't have your kids out that late. You're a horrible parent. You're a horrible mother. Like, why aren't you putting your kids to bed? Why aren't they getting sleep? And it's like, like you're, you're right, right? It's almost... Yeah. Like there in the U.S., there's this feeling of control. Maybe it's because in the U.S. we literally have control over nothing. Maybe that's a conversation <laughs> for a different time. Um, but when we have kids, that's almost something that we feel like we can control. And so I think that as humans, we need some sense of control in our lives. And because our government is going wild and like natural disasters are taking over and this is happening and that's happening and this is being destroyed. Like there's so much chaos going on that more now more than ever, I think when you do have a child, you feel this like need to control and not necessarily coming from a bad place. I don't think any parent thinks of it like, oh, I want to control my kid and make sure I'm making them. It's, it's more of a way of protecting them, right? Like I can control what they have access to, what they're being exposed to. I have this level of control. Um, and with that also comes judgment. And it's kind of taking away this more flexible, like community, like, like you're saying, lifestyle where kids are 
their own humans. You can't control them. Like you might be able to guide them. You might be able to give them suggestions and offer advice. And to a degree, like, yes, because you are the parent, but they're their own people. Like my kids, the amount of times they tell me no in a day. And and at first, you know, I would get upset about that. You can't tell me no. What do you mean I'm your parent? And now it's like, okay, you don't want to do that. I can accept that. That's fine. Like, let's compromise. What do you want to do? How can we find, you know? And when you start to actually treat them like people, it's, it's different. The whole world is different, you know, not just the kids, but society, the way people work together. It's yeah. Um, Back to the holistic thing. Can you define what holistic health is? The lifelong question. Um, I just, I mean, simply put, I just think it's it's realizing that we're multidimensional creatures. You know, you can't address health or anything really from just one perspective. Uh, and it's easy to do because the human body is so complex. So people tend to find their niches or their specialties because there's no possible way you can learn everything. And I think that's why like holistic health and wellness hasn't been a focus in a lot of like the medical world, because how could one doctor ever be expected to, to understand every system in the human body? You just can't do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole idea of holistic health or holistic wellness is just seeing the human as this multidimensional creature where everything is linked. So assuming that um, you know their social behavior is affecting their physical health and that their mental health is affecting the way that they, you know, feel like some form of belief or spiritual connection or their energy level. It's like literally taking every single thing about a person and and just accepting the fact that everything does impact everything else. And so in order to really help people feel their best, you have to address the human as a whole. You can't just focus on one system in the body or, or one approach, you know? When you started the journey, did you attend training did you have a coach that you consulted with? How did you first start the journey? Um, really, it's um, <laughs> it's interesting. This is also maybe why I just uh, am okay with a more controversial approach. Uh, but no, when I was actually looking for back when my daughter, I was probably like eight or nine months pregnant, uh, maybe just shy. It's so like eight months pregnant. Like she was just born slightly after. Uh, so maybe like eight months pregnant when I when I started, officially started my, my journey. Um, but I was looking mainly for a career change because that was the big thing. I had left my career and everything kind of behind in New York City. And so I was looking for ways to be able to work around having a newborn. You know, what could I do that was flexible? What could I? So So holistic wellness wasn't actually on my mind. Um, But I had met this woman and I had met her years ago while we were traveling. And I was always seeing what she was doing on social media. uh, And I knew that she'd been living in London. And because I just moved here, I didn't really know anybody. So I'd kind of reached out to her uh, just as a friend. And I was curious what she was doing and how she had gotten there. And so we started having a conversation. We met up when I was heavily pregnant. um, And she had been working with like an affiliate brand. Like she was basically working with a supplement brand. Mm online and that had become her full-time thing and i was like you can do that like you can just be like a social media influencer or whatever i don't know whatever it's called now like you you mean i get a link and i can give people that link and then i get paid like that's crazy like that was such a new thing at the time you know this is like six seven years ago so tiktok wasn't even a thing then so like it's obviously more popular now 
Um, I think that really sent my parents over the edge. I was moving country and then I was giving up a career that I had, you know, invested <laughs> a million dollars into. And now I was going to be giving people a discount code. My parents are really happy about that. Um, but so I started actually looking at what she was doing and I started working with her and I started kind of learning from the other people that were working with that supplement brand. And then after my daughter was born is when I started using the supplements because I, in pregnancy, I didn't want to start taking things, whatever. So after she was born, I was like, okay, let me try some of these things out. Uh, and at that time, when I was going through like a, a severe kind of postpartum depression phase, um, these supplements were, they were like probiotics, they were herbal teas, they were these types of things. And I noticed the shift that it was making when I was using them and when I wasn't using them. Mm. And that's when everything kind of started clicking, coming together. And I thought, actually, this is so much bigger than like just a singular supplement or than just one thing. Like if this is making this difference, why don't people know more about probiotics? And if a simple probiotic can make this much difference, then what about the other foods that I'm eating? What about the other things that I'm consuming? And then I really started to just like, once you start going, you can't stop, you know, like once you see it, you just go deeper and deeper. And then at some point you think, oh my God, I'm that crazy person who's literally like, you know, living off of social media. That's my entire career. And I'm preaching probiotics and gut health. And people are like, well, what on earth did this like designer woman from New York City get herself into like living in the middle of the mountains in Greece, you know? Um, but that's how I started actually looking for part-time work, kind of fell alongside the supplement brand, realized the power of that. And then thought, wow, this this has to be bigger. How can I help people? And but But elevate it, like not just use a supplement. Um, but how can I give people other tools and other resources and actually make this information more accessible, like share it with people like, why didn't I know about any of this? Right. You know, I was known sharing it. Why didn't I find it? Like I need to be a resource for people to, to have access to things, to start seeing things differently and to start understanding things, you know? Yeah. I wonder if it's just my feed because I'm kind of entrenched in like agriculture and gut health and soil health. I don't know if, it's actually becoming more popular and more discussed in mainstream media or mainstream social media, or I'm, it's just, I curated my own feed. Like, what is your perspective? Do you think more and more people outside of the community are talking about it? Or do you think it's, um, do you think it's just like a niche of people? I definitely think it's gaining more traction and there are definitely more studies that are being done. Like even a, even two decades ago, doctors that were, you know, practicing and preaching gut health were, were laughed at. They almost had to leave their industries mm-hmm. and their medical professions to actually start their own holistic practices and whatever, because it just wasn't something that people were doing. So it's, it's relatively new. And I think more people are realizing that there's like substance here. This is actually valuable information uh, and more studies are being done. Even if you look on PubMed, like the more recent studies that are being done linking probiotics and our bacteria uh, and, and the importance that has on who we are as people versus like before for a long time, we thought it was our DNA that made us who we are. You know, it's only recently that we've shifted that belief and realized actually it's our bacteria. That's weird. You know, we've been like, I always think back to um, Jurassic Park, if you ever saw like the the original where they had Mr. DNA up on the screen and he was talking about how like the DNA makes up what these creatures are. And so that's that was always our belief is like DNA is the factor, right? But actually it's been recently that it's kind of shifted into this study of bacteria. So there is a lot of new information coming out and it's being studied more and more, you know, studies are being published around it. Um, but I do still think that a lot of it is is kind of kept out of mainstream so that there's more people that don't have access to this information or don't understand this information than there are that do. 
So because you are immersed into it, obviously you're kind of in that space. So you see it more often, um, but every so often, I mean, I even put up like stories on my Instagram and um, I put up random posts on social media and things. And I ask people questions and the amount of people, I think I shared an article. I have to find the exact one. It was an article about how um, young adults should limit their amount of exercise now in the summer months um, because there's a higher risk for heart disease or heart attacks or blood clots or all sorts of things. And the article itself was just mad. It was literally telling people like, you should probably not exercise as much. Uh, and Max Lugavere, I don't know if you listen to his podcast, The Genius Life, he's amazing, but uh -uh. he also shared a post today uh, that was actually highlighting like articles from like Time Magazine and like big Rolling Stone Magazine. And it was things like that that were actually, I think the Time article was, uh, the, the title of the article in Time was like, um the how fit, the fitness industry began with white supremacy like the amount oh, of like God. You, 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 you really like that's where we're going you're really like that far against you're just trying to like talk people out of the healthy lifestyle like they're they're putting it on oh I, I can't even explain it to you but some of those articles I was looking through them and they just made me like laugh and I was like surely don't believe this right but anyway I shared some of it to one of my Instagram stories and some people that I had gone to school with that I'd known my whole life people that you know I like they're they're really cool people they commented and they're like oh yeah but like I mean I could understand why this could be a problem like yeah especially with the heat and you know the way the climate's changing like we really shouldn't be exercising as much outdoors anymore and I thought you're joking right mm. and they're like no like, it makes complete sense and this is again like my mind being like is this still the u.s bubble that you're in is it like a different am i seeing things that you're not seeing are you seeing things that i'm not seeing how can there be such a big misunderstanding like this article is telling young adults not to exercise as much when like that is the biggest problem is that young adults are not exercising <laughs> as much yeah. what and now they're trying to like put fear into people you know if, if you exercise too much or if you eat there was another article it was about seed oils and it was something like um, you know, why these extremist right wing people are going to try to convince you that seed oils are unhealthy, but the facts tell you otherwise, like seed oils are great. And I was like, what? <laughs> oh, this is like a joke. So like, yeah, you know, we, of, of course, more people are learning about health and gut health and nutrition because the, you know, the evidence, you can't even dispute it anymore, but there's still so many people because of mainstream media and, and social media and all these other outlets that, just have no idea and they're being fed this fear which i mean i guess is the easiest way to get your narrative across but like scaring people into making poor health choices it's just it blows my mind that there are people that a lot of people that are still stuck in that narrative and i just yeah yeah i think your feed is specifically curated for you i don't think that many people see the, the health videos that you're seeing or that i'm seeing it's <laughs> for wild. That matter. have you seen um this was a, a couple of months ago already but uh, people were saying that <clears throat> math is racist, like teaching math to mm -hmm. kids is racist. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that one too. <laughs> That's so yeah. wild. Like uh, the the girl that was talking about it, I think it was on CNN. She was saying like, well, four plus four might equal eight to you, but to me it might equal five or something like that. It was something crazy like that. And I was like, what the hell are you even talking about? Like, I hate math, but I don't think it's racist. <laughs> Yeah, but then you can't say anything because then, you know, everyone's got an opinion and everyone's going to be offended by everything else. So like, yeah, it's just weird. I find myself often wanting to talk about a topic and then I think, is it better if I just let it sit in my own head? Like maybe it's just not even worth discussing because, you know, 
yeah. the amount of people it can offend. And then I also think, but why? Like, that's exactly the point is, you know, people are trying to limit those conversations. We need to have more people that speak out about them and, you know, share their, their thoughts and views. And the world is just an absolute disaster. <laughs> yeah, I think it's important. I think social media is becoming this uh, real powerful tool, even podcasts and YouTube channels. It's the way that information is really getting out there now above and beyond the conventional news media like these discussions where people like yourselves and y'all have these amazing platforms where you're sharing information about gut health that plant seeds, even though you may not change one person right away, you're planting seeds in people's minds about whether you're talking about butter or whatever, butter compared to seed oils that plant seeds in people's minds. And then when they're shopping, I, it may not be like right away, but they'll start making shifts eventually. I think. Yeah, yeah. And I don't ever want it to be I don't want to be the person that convinces somebody to do something or something else. I always think like at the end of the day, I just want you to see things from a different perspective that maybe, you know, you haven't seen before and just think about it for yourself. If I can give you new information, and you can look at that and then look at, you know, something else that you believe in compare the two and then still do the thing that you're currently doing, because that's ultimately what you prefer. That's great. I'm happy for you. That's amazing. But even just being able to see different perspectives, like I just we, we don't have that, you know, everything you're, you're surrounded by, I can't remember the exact term for it, but it's, yeah, it's basically like research bias, right? Mm. At the end of the day, like you, you'll always find, you could pick the unhealthiest like habit in the world. Um, you could literally like find a study on how heroin could actually improve your health. Right. You could, I guarantee you there's one out there. Like you could literally pick the worst thing and you could find something to, like confirm whatever you want to believe about that thing. All right. I don't know where I went with it, but anyway, that was the worst thing I could imagine at the time. Um, but anyway, so you could like, what, what is it you love? You know, coffee, for example, like I love coffee. Other people love coffee. You can find studies that will tell you that coffee is the reason you're going to die. And then you'll also find studies that tell you coffee is actually the reason you're going to live, right. you know? So it doesn't do the same for alcohol. Like there was a huge study that was done that actually showed and people believed for a long time, like having one or two glasses of wine a night could actually improve your health benefits. But the investment that went into creating that study was done by alcohol companies, like the biggest alcohol brands invested to get that particular outcome. Right. And there was like this thing where actually behind the scenes, like in the, the contracts of everyone doing the studies, they promised that they wouldn't reveal any negative outcomes. So like, even if something will only reveal the positives that work in your favor, if you invest into the study for us. So it's, it's so like the industry is so biased. So it's just like, it, it blows my mind that at the end of the day, you can believe whatever you want to believe and you can find evidence to support whatever you want to support. But I just want you to see, I want people to see different sides of it and then come to that conclusion themselves. I don't want them to just find the evidence they're looking for because that's in their current interest. Right. I want you to see a different perspective, compare, and then be able to make a, a choice with information that, you know, is different from what you're currently doing. What has been the biggest uh, shift in, in your mindset and, and the people that you've been helping when they realize um, that gut health is important? Like, what's kind of the number one thing that you share with people that makes that click for them when you talk about gut health? Um. <laughs> this is I don't this is like the easiest going back to like the the basics right but we are what we eat right that's, that's something I think everyone's been taught in time and I think that we've always we've kind of forgotten it a little bit but it's not 
what we eat it's what we do with what we eat it's the way our body processes it like we every single cell in our body every single bacteria everything lives the reason we exist is because of what we consume like you cannot live if you're not consuming food water air like you have to consume right sunlight like all of these things and the link from our body to the outside world is our gut like from our mouth all the way down to our asshole (laughs) like that whole thing it's basically lined with this like cellular wall right so like that is the only direct access our actual organs and our systems have with the outside world so what we put into our body has to go through our gut in order to be processed to then feed our heart our lungs our brain like literally everything that allows us to operate and so like yes what we consume is important but it's it's not just putting it into our body it's what our body does with that and so like that is your gut the way that your body takes nutrients from that food the way that your body processes that removes the waste removes the toxins removes the parasites whatever it might be that is all your gut hmm. so like if your your body can't process what you're consuming then you're just making yourself sick things are leaking where they shouldn't be leaking like things are being exposed to to toxins they shouldn't be exposed to because your gut isn't functioning so like that is the core like it doesn't matter not there's not a single system in our body that is uninfected by our gut and i think so often people look at like the one symptom because maybe that's the bigger problem for them you know maybe they're really tired of breaking out all the time or maybe they're really tired of always having migraines or maybe they're really tired of like not being able to lose those 10 pounds or like you know people have like their one thing that they're trying to improve But like, if you zoom out, the reason you can't do that thing or the reason that's a problem is because some system in your body isn't functioning properly. Mm. And like, if you follow that link back, it starts with your gut. If your body can't actually get that system, the nutrients it needs, if it's not processing things properly, or if if toxins are leaking out and kind of affecting other things and materializing in, in bigger problems, like it goes back to your gut. I don't care what your problem is, if it's mental, if it's physical, whatever it is, if your gut's not right, you're not going to solve it. Are there problems still going to you know? Yeah. Are there foods that you recommend to people to start incorporating in their daily life? Yeah, of course. I mean, it, it doesn't more than anything. I think it's actually the reduction of, of the ultra processed foods. It's probably the bigger thing. Mm. Um, which is hard because that's, that's a lot, a lot of things. But when you look at any single diet, you know, you have people that follow like the keto diet, you have people that follow the paleo diet, you have people that follow vegan diets, you have people that follow the Atkins diet, you know, there's so many different diets across the board. And you see people in every single one of those diets succeeding. And you see people in every single one of those diets failing, right? Like, how does this diet work so well for so many people, but also not work so well for so many people? And I think the biggest difference is when it works, it's because that version of that diet is limiting the ultra processed foods. So like if you wanted to follow a vegan diet, I've seen vegan diets go horribly wrong because people are eating ultra processed vegan foods. They're going and buying like the ultra processed like soy sausages and like the vegan cheeses and the vegan meats, right? Versus if somebody follows a vegan diet and it's working really well for them, it's because they're eating more fruits and vegetables and they're eating like whole foods and and natural foods. So like the same diet, same principles, one is more whole food based, one is more you know, overly processed food base. Right. And that's the difference. It applies for, for kind of any of these diets. It's the people that are succeeding. It's It comes down to ultra processed food. So I think the biggest thing is trying to, I guess, incorporate more whole foods. Um, but also you can't really go from zero to a hundred. This is also where I see a lot of people struggle 
Because if you're not consuming enough whole foods and you're not eating enough fiber to then all of a sudden be eating, you know, all of this like broccoli and these leafy greens and like these whole grains and whatever, it's going to destroy your body. You're going to feel like absolute crap because like (laughs) your body is not used to processing foods this way. So normally what I suggest is like, I think diversity is also really important as I usually suggest people make a list of 30 different whole foods, like unprocessed foods that they actually enjoy. Like if you were to go through your diet now and pull out the foods you actually enjoy, create a list of 30 different whole foods. And that could be, and it's not just fruits and vegetables. Um, It could be like ancient greens. It could be wild rice. It could be herbs. Like maybe you love to cook with basil. You love basil on your pizza or whatever, right? So to come up with like 30 plant foods that you enjoy, it could be bananas. It could be apples. It could be whatever, you know, you come up with a list and and usually people get to the first 15 and it's easy. And then to get to 20 is a little bit harder to get to 30 might be a push. Um, but start with the things that you enjoy. And then that's when you can start trying new things. Like, so if you know that these 10 foods work for you, start eating more of those things. Right. And then once you start to feel a little bit better, then add in a new fruit or a new vegetable or a new, and then you can keep building upon that until you start to like expand your whole food collection, I guess. Um, but that's, I think it's just more, more diversity of whole foods and less ultra processed foods and it's easier said than done. You know, there's a million excuses why people can't eat whole foods or won't eat whole foods, but it's what it is. I think I've heard some people, um, talk about how they want to move away from calling it a diet because it's a diet makes it, uh, puts a, a thing in your brain to where it's a certain period of time whether it's so it's not an actual shift in your lifestyle rather than calling it like this is the new way I eat versus this is a diet meaning I'm going to do this for whatever eight weeks to 12 weeks or whatever that time frame is you have any opinion on that I hate it so much do you really <laughs> Look up the original definition of diet like the original what diet was it's habitually taken food and drink mm. diet like the actual meaning of diet that's it like every single human diets that is being like you have to habitually consume food or drink to survive like media and whatever people with different narratives and agendas have obviously transformed this word to now people think diet means like eating salad that's not diet is literally just consuming food so yes you should be on a diet if you weren't on a diet i would be worried because you'd probably be dead because that means you're not eating (laughs) so like i don't i don't understand when people are like are you on a diet yes aren't you like i would i don't get what's going on here you know um and i also another big one that drives me nuts is when people are like don't call it junk food it is junk it is absolute junk i like i my kids three and five they literally will look at like a, a bag of chips and they'll be like, they're like, mama, can I have some of that junk food? I don't tell them they can't have, like if we go to a restaurant, if we go to a, another kid's birthday party and there's chips out on the table, I'm not going to prevent them from like eating junk food. They're kids, like let them have some potato chips, you know, but they know full well that it's junk. And then the next day when my kids wake up and they're like, oh, mama, my stomach really hurts. I did eat too much junk yesterday. I'm like, yeah, I know. And they're like, can I have some fruit and vegetables? I'm like, yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I think it's not the word. It's, it's being real with what it is. Like, call it what it is. 
I'm not trying, I don't want to shame anybody into doing something or not doing something. I don't want to prevent my kids from eating junk food. I don't want to like make them fear junk food. They can have junk food, but I want them to know that it's junk. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the same as diet, like diet is simply just eating. So I don't want people to fear that word and be like, oh, I hate diets. They don't work for me. They do. You're alive. You've been eating for, you know, 40 years now. It is working for you, obviously, because here, here we are having a conversation. So it's, I think it's changing that perspective and like getting people to realize like diet is not a bad word. Junk is not a bad word. Like it's just being real. And I think once we can accept, it's not so much as like not eating junk food, but it's knowing this is junk food. And then making the choice to eat it, but then also knowing how to take care of my body after that and be okay with that whole process. Yeah. This is like having this hate towards a word. I don't know. Yeah. No, I've, I feel what you're saying. I find that there's a certain period of time for me personally where I have to almost completely an- eliminate that junk food for my body to heal. And I feel like I'm on that journey right now where I'm trying to avoid the processed food because even if I allow myself to cheat like once or twice a week or whatever for one meal, I feel like it almost puts me back at like step one almost, if that makes any sense. Like I feel like I've had so many years of bad eating that my body needs to heal itself from those bad foods and it's not going to happen I don't know what the time period is. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I feel like it's getting better, but I feel like there's like inflammation in my gut. I feel bloated. Um, and I think it's just years of the bad food that I've consumed, you know, up until like last year. Do you find that too, where there's a certain period of time where you have to be really strict to allow your body to fully heal itself? Yeah. I mean, I don't even think it's about being really strict. I think it's just understanding it. And this is the thing is I don't ever want people to be afraid of like the, these terms and healthy eating. I don't want people to fear about like all there's, there's a lot of fear around a healthy lifestyle and being able to achieve it or not. I don't want there to be that fear. I think it's more about just understanding why it's happening because when you can understand it and it, it makes sense, you can clarify it. Then it takes the fear away. I think we fear what we don't understand. Right. So a big problem is that these overly processed foods have essentially hijacked our body's ability to crave what it actually needs. So when we crave, if you're craving something, if I'm craving bread or cheese or whatever it might be, right? If I'm craving something, it's because my body, our bodies are smart. That's the first thing to understand. Our bodies are freaking intelligent, like machines. They know what they're doing, right? So when our body's craving something, it's because we have a lack of something. Like we need a certain vitamin or a certain mineral and our body knows intuitively that that nutrient is in that food. But now the problem is that when you're overly processing grains, for example, is probably the biggest one, like refined wheat products, right? You're stripping away all of the the fiber and all of the nutrients that come with that. So your body's still craving that food because it knows intuitively, like there is, I'm going to find this particular fiber in this particular food. So your body starts craving that. And then you end up eating this food, but then where you might feel full, your body is like, wait, why didn't I get that thing I needed? Mm. I still don't have it. And then you crave more and people are wondering why they're overeating. It's because your body's literally searching for something. It knows what it needs and it's trying to find it, but it can't find it in a pile of food where we've literally stripped all of the nutrients away. So it's not even so much like giving those things up. Like you have to, you know, give up 
these foods in order to be able to like not crave them anymore. It's more about like getting enough nutrients. If you start having more whole foods, more natural foods, your body actually won't crave these things as much because it's feeling satisfied because it's getting the things it needs to function the way it needs to function. So like if I love, like I love bread. I love it so much. I freaking love it. I don't crave it right? The way I used to, like, I used to literally sit here and like crave like sandwiches and bread and like all of these things, like processed meats, like turkey sandwiches, turkey cheese sandwiches. I think when I was pregnant with my second daughter, I literally just wanted like processed meat, processed cheese on white bread sandwiches. Like that's what I wanted every single day. And I was just craving it so much, but I wasn't getting any nutrients out of it because everything within that was ultra processed. And I still love a good sandwich like that. Don't get me wrong, but I don't crave it. So there are times when I think, you know what, I think I'll just have that today. I kind of feel like it, but it's not because I'm like needing it. It's because I just kind of want it. Or like if I got with my kids and they asked for ice cream, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I want some ice cream too. I wasn't craving it, but actually that seems really nice. And I haven't had ice cream in a long time. And now that I think about it, yeah, I'd love a scoop of chocolate ice cream, right? So like, I still enjoy those things, but I'm not bound to them. I'm not controlled by these cravings because my body is getting enough nutrients that it needs from other sources. So now, you know, when, when people say eat things in moderation, you can't really eat things in moderation if your cravings are all out of whack because you're not getting the right nutrients. The second you actually give your body the nutrients it needs, your cravings will lessen. And then that's when you can start to enjoy junk food and not feel guilty about it because it's not controlling you. It's literally just for enjoyment on occasion. Yeah. No, those are excellent points. Have you looked into um, any research around seed oils and the uptick in skin cancer rates that we've seen? Because I've seen a, some health influencers talk about that. And like the reason skin cancer rates are up are because we're consuming these inflammatory foods. Um, is there any merit to that? I, I mean... I'm not surprised by it. It's not something I've researched entirely. But if you think that every single cell in our body is made up from what we're consuming, then you have to apply our skin, which is actually not our body's largest organ, but, you know, popular belief, but it is one of our body's largest organs, right? So you have to assume that even our skin, our, our, our cells, everything like in our external layer is made up by what we're consuming, right? Mm. So if what we're consuming is making up this like protective layer to our body, then that plays a role in the way that that protective layer is then influenced by environmental factors. Mm. So how could you not link the two to a degree? And maybe seed oils is the main thing. Maybe it's refined sugar that's the problem. Maybe it's refined wheat. It's probably a combination of things, to be honest. It's probably just the fact that we have a lot of very heavily processed foods in our diet. But if those very processed foods are making up the cells that are meant to then protect us from some of the harshest climates, and we're wondering why that external layer is failing us, and we're getting sicker, and it's not doing its job, and it's causing problems, you have to trace it back to, well, like, what the heck are we actually eating? What's making up those cells? Because it wasn't a problem before. So if it's becoming a problem, what's changed? Oh, the way that we're processing our food. Right. Not right. There's two things that go on in my, into my mind when I think about companies <clears throat> like promoting these crazy sunscreens. One, those sunscreens are freaking packed with harsh, really harsh chemicals. And I imagine they do a lot of damage to your skin. And two, I wonder what the cancer rates were like in the 40s and 30s before processed foods became so abundant. 
I don't, I, I guess I can research that myself, but uh, everyone was outside, right? Like we did, we didn't have houses back in the 1800s. Um, we had little huts and, and even back before then we were always outside in the elements and I wish I could go back in time and see if cancer, skin cancer rates and skin conditions like that were, were as prominent as uh, they are today. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, the 1800, the Industrial Revolution pretty much just screwed the entire world over, I think, to to a degree. Uh, but even then, like sun protection is important. You, you can't argue that, especially like living. I mean, I'm in the Mediterranean, right? And the sun is harsh. You go further south, it gets worse. Like you have to protect your, your sun from the skin. Um, but even back you know, years ago. And, and even what I see actually a lot here, you, you can see the difference between people on holiday versus people that live here, right. Mm. Based on the way they dress. Um, I choose not to put sunscreen on my skin. Uh, some people are going to argue with that one. How However, dare you? How dare you? <laughs> I, I wear a hat when I'm out in the sun. Like I wear protective clothing. I wear loose linen clothing. Like right now I've got a full pan, full pants on. They're very loose pants, but my body is like protected. I'm not running around outside in a bikini for eight hours a day, you know, versus like people go on holiday and they're like, oh, this time we never, and they're literally sitting outside baking themselves in these toxic chemicals. And it's like, okay, I get that you're only on holiday for X amount of time, right? So you want to take advantage of that. But then you're having to protect your skin somehow. And that's the alternative. If you're not willing to sit in the shade or cover your body up, like that's the other option. So like either you need to protect your skin, but there's a difference in, in ways that people would do it. So it's not that skin protection isn't important, but like it's, it's putting that chemical really the best option. I don't know. Um, but yeah, the industrial revolution definitely had an impact. I think even if you look back like to the 1800s, I mean, People were still out in the sun. People were still going to the beaches, but even their swimming suits and their costumes and everything looked different. Yeah. So today, like just generally people were more well protected. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I think there was like, you know, people talk about intuitive eating. I think it was different where people went outside uh, in, in particular times of the day. And like you said, they were protecting themselves. And I, I hear people talk about like, the best times to go out in the sun versus when you should probably stay away from the sun. So I think all that stuff is important. We're just, we're kind of so disconnected from nature. Yeah. Back in um, the, right after the industrial revolution, after that kind of period of time, uh, actually before it, I think it was something like 90% of Americans were producing their own food. Like 90% of the U S were like, had their own farms producing their own food. After the Industrial Revolution, I think it's now only 2% of the entire world's population produces food for everyone. Wow. Like just to show you the shift that happened in that period of time of what's natural versus what's not. From like 90% of people being self-sufficient producing food down to 2% of like the entire world yeah. producing food for everyone. That's, that's insane. That's scary. Yeah. Like how? That, that shift. It's not like a small adjustment just the amount that we've removed ourselves from what's natural it just feels we're, we're going too far away from nature i think yeah a lot and i don't hate the modern life you i i do enjoy like we're sitting here talking on zoom on a smartphone with freaking microphones you know i think <laughs> the modern world is horrible, but i think that there's a, a medium ground where we can use modern technology and science to our advantage uh, but still have that balance and then have that closeness to nature and not forget that we are 
animals. <laughs> yeah. No, along those same lines, uh, I talked to a, a rancher here in Texas, and he was saying that it's upwards uh, in the 70% of Americans have never met a farmer or stepped foot on a farm. What? That's over 70% of Americans have never met a farmer or stepped foot on a farm. Oh, my goodness. That's pretty wild, isn't it? When you think, I mean, if you think about how many people live in cities and how many people don't even have access to the ground floor, like don't even have access to a garden or like, you know, I'm, if you live in a house, you have your own yard, that's fine. But when you think of places like New York City or LA or like these huge areas of population, so many people literally don't even have access to the earth. Hmm. Like they're living 15 stories up, completely removed like, you know, even when I was living in New York, I had like a tiny balcony, but we would get huge fines if we even had a potted plant out there. <laughs> <laughs> really? You got fined for having plants? Yeah, because it was a fire hazard on a fire escape. Even now, oh my God, see, this is this is the bubble I'm talking about. So my parents live in South Carolina, so I'm going to get off topic for a second. My parents live in South Carolina and they bought a property in like a community. Hmm. They're like retiree age, right? So they bought a property in a community. I... This is this is when I probably realized I would not be moving my children back to the US. Um, but anyway, they bought a house and in order to buy that plot of land, they had to pick from one of three pre-made houses, which when they wanted them to then put on that plot of land. So everybody, I think there's like a few thousand houses in this community and that's just the retired section. And then you've got like the family section, which is like thousands and thousands more, right? And they've got like multiple pools in this community. It's, it's like big, right? So anyway, they picked their house, like within a day it was put on their property. So every single house looks the same. Um, but so they own this, they own this land, right? And when I went to visit them for the first time, because that's not where I grew up, that's what they bought after their kids moved out. Uh, so I went to go visit them and they were showing me around, I'm very proud of it. And I love that for them. But I was looking around, I was like, oh, everyone's got their American flags out. This is very like, you know, Southern, they're like, yeah, we have to keep them at exactly a 45 degree angle, except for on Sundays, we're allowed to trade them out for our favorite sports team flag. But then oh, on Mondays boy. by noon, they have to go back to the US flag. I thought, really? No, that's not a thing. And they're like, yeah, we get fined if we don't. I was like, but this is your land. They're like, yeah, I know, but it was in the contract. If we if we don't follow the rules, they can take the land away. Oh. I was like, that's interesting. And then the more I was there throughout the week, we were having conversations. And I was like, mom, you haven't put your tomatoes. Like, you love planting tomatoes. You didn't want to put your tomatoes. They have a huge amount of land in the back. Like, oh, yeah, we can't plant in the ground here. Like, mm. what? You have all this land. They're like, yeah, they want everything to look uniform. So in our contract, it actually said that they can take, they can confiscate our land if we plant our own gardens outside. What? What? And they were like, yeah. And in the front, we're only allowed to have, like, they've got this little, like, bird windmill that like does its thing in the wind and they've got some wind chimes they can only have six different like garden accessories in their yard like all of these things and if they break that contract they get a warning but their property could be taken away from them for simply growing their own food or like choosing to hang a flag that's not the american flag. and i thought what is this real is this i feel like did you ever see the movie stepford wives yes yeah. I thought, oh my God, what is this? This is like, am I in a simulation? What is this weird place that I've just walked into? And it was so natural for them and for everyone that lived. And I thought, oh no. HOAs are the biggest scam that has ever happened in the United States, I think. That's impacted so many people. I have friends that live in HOAs that if they don't cut their grass to a certain length at a specific time, 
the HOA will send someone to their their property, cut the grass, and then send them a bill. Like for not what? yeah, for not cutting their grass. And you have to pay it. Otherwise they're gonna put a lien on your house, whatever they do, but how how stupid are HOAs? Like what uh, there it's gotta be connected to some big organization, right? Like it's not we think of HOAs like, oh, it's our neighborhood HOA, but there's gotta be someone bigger that owns the HOA, right? It has to but be. That's control at the end of the day, right? Because like if you can't even control your own grass or your own like if you can't if you literally can't plant tomatoes in your own garden. Like people have the right to starve you out. They control your food source. You have to buy from the local shop. Mm. Like you have to, you know, like it, it's, it's so much control. And then at the end of it, like, how can you sit here and say you own this land and this is yours when at any given moment, someone could take it away because you're not doing it the way they want you to do it. It's not your land. Yeah. It's the government's land that you've paid money to reside on yep. for a little while yep. until they decide no longer can live there. Until they need it. It's, it's like it's garbage. It's garbage. So even people that do have access to their own land still can't plant their own food. So like, let alone, you know, they've not stepped onto a farm 70%. I wonder what that stat is. Like 70%, you know, of Americans might not have ever stepped foot on a farm and food, but like how many people literally don't even have access to do it, even if they wanted to. It's not that they haven't been into a farm, but you literally can't even try oh, to yeah. grow your own food. You decided you wanted to try. It's right. not even an option. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I, I think like farmer's markets and shopping local and all that stuff. I used to think that was kind of hippy dippy and that was dumb, but I think it's so important because, uh, for, for rural areas, like I'm that, that I live in, in Texas, that's the only way to connect for, to farmers and people that are, you know, hand making stuff. Uh, you get to actually meet the farmer that's raising the beef or the chicken or the vegetables or whatever. I think that's important. That's how it used to be. Those farmers used to feed the community. And now it's these big corporations that are feeding the world. And I, I, I think I want to see in my life, it's not going to happen, but I want to see somehow where we just have this like regeneration of people that are shopping locally. And there's companies out there that are promoting that lifestyle and that, uh, that push, but it's, it's a slow one happening, I guess. I don't know if that's happening in, in London or where you're at. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in Greece at the moment now. Um, but you're right. And actually shopping locally, this is like, organic is important. Let me back for a second. Oh, sorry, that's not, um, organic, organic is important for sure. But I would argue that shopping locally, that's not organic is better than buying not locally that is organic right uh like if you go and because because actually getting the organic certification can be really difficult and can be quite expensive so a lot of smaller local farms could be producing organic food but not actually have the like organic stamp on it so that's why like you're saying going to these farmers markets and actually having conversations asking people about how they do it you know you're talking to like the actual father and the daughter and the cousin and the you know you're talking to the people that are actually doing the work that is so much more valuable Versus even like if people are just going to their bigger supermarket, for example, and they're buying uh, organic avocados or whatever, right? They're buying organic bananas. Uh, People don't keep in mind that not all fruit and vegetables grow year round, right? right? This food is being flown in from somewhere else, right? This does not grow in your state 
or even in this country at this time of year, whatever it is, right? Like we're meant to, as human beings, we've always been meant to eat seasonally and we're not. This is also a diversity issue because people aren't getting enough diversity because they're literally eating the same 15 fruits and vegetables all the time because that's yep. what they like. That's not how the world was built. Like it was built to you eat these during this time of year and then you shift and you eat these. And so our guts were diverse because we were eating diverse foods and now we're just literally convenience eating the same things. But if these foods you're eating, like if you think about it, if you're eating strawberries 12 months a year, those strawberries aren't coming from your neighbor. <laughs> like they're not being grown 12 months a year, right? So at some point they're being flown in. And if they're being flown in, even if they've been marked organic, because the farm where they're grown is organic, to get into the US, they have to be sprayed. Mm. So they can be marked as organic because that's how they were grown. But now we're in the United States of America, where in order to cross the border, you literally have to go through like America's rules, right? So now they're spraying the crap out of all of the food that's being imported. It's now being put on shelves as organic food. Is it actually organic? I don't know. So like if you're eating food out of season that's coming from other places, even though it has the organic label, it's just something to think about. I'm just going to throw that out there. It is much better, like you're saying, to try to actually find the local farms or to try to eat more seasonally or have conversations with people that are handling their own food product. Uh, because if it's coming from down the road or or even just the neighboring state, it doesn't even have to be like below. It could be like, you know, you could be getting things from Florida to Texas. Even that transportation, things will be significantly more fresh eating seasonally, like kind of more locally to the, the south or your area or whatever, than trying to choose the foods you like most because it's convenient and they happen to be in your store. Like buying organic is not maybe as good as you think it is. <laughs> yeah, I talked to a... a um a dairy farmer and he was talking about the organic certification. He was kind of uh, an auditor before he started his own dairy farm and he went to organic dairy farms. And he said that oftentimes more times than not dairy farmers that were organic were dirtier and more grotesque than conventional dairy farms because to, in order to maintain that organic certification, you can't give the cows medication or you can't give them um, things that they need if they're sick. So you're often like if they're milking the cow, you're probably going to get dirty milk because they want to maintain that certification. He so it's kind of an eye opener for me. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's interesting. Any anytime the the government um, deems a like certification as being accepted it's just questioning <laughs> i know <laughs> and i'm not putting organic down like there is definitely value in organic sure. uh, and i do appreciate every single year they release a dirty dozen list so mm -hmm. they have like their top 12 fruits and vegetables that have the most trace of like pesticides and, and herbicides and things so like um i i do try to be mindful especially of organic foods when you're looking at the ones that are more often like influence but as for some of the other it's like certain fruits and vegetables like if you think about it as well like bananas are never on the dirty dozen list because they have this thick freaking outer skin right? right so even if you're like spraying things like it's not as easy to versus like um certain berries they don't have that that skin right so like when you're being sprayed or when it's being treated it's literally directly on the food that's going into your mouth there's not like a layer that you're that's kind of protecting the actual fruit that you're eating from what's being done externally to it so like it's also about being mindful organic sure is important but also just common sense and like thinking logically Absolutely. <laughs> through these things 
it's not the be all end all. Um, local, yeah, just going local, I think is always your best bet. Try to get local foods whenever you can and definitely have conversations. Like actually to the 70% of people who have never stepped foot on a farm, maybe go have a little field trip. Yeah. Put your hands on some soil. Well, Kelsey, I appreciate the time. How can people follow you and, and get in touch with you? Uh, Instagram is probably the, the easiest for me. I'm really hard about checking my email, so you could try, but it'll go a week unread easily. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Kelsey Hogstad, H-O-O-G-S-T-A-D, for those of you that can't pronounce it like me and everyone else in the world. Um, but yeah, just send me a message on Instagram. I'm active there. I'm responding directly to that. Uh, oftentimes I have help with my emails and things, so it's not your, it's not always me that you're talking to. Uh, versus if you message me on email, uh, sorry, if you message me on Instagram, then we're in a direct conversation. Um, okay. So I can always help answer questions or, or give some advice or tips for where to go for more information. Well, awesome. Well, Kelsey, I appreciate your time. I'll let you know. This will come out in a couple weeks and um, I'll let you know and I'll tag you. I'll try not to bombard you with uh, with too many tags. So, <laughs> No worries. It was really great chatting with you, John. It was a pleasure meeting you. Um, tell your wife as well. I say hi. Thank you guys for following along. Will do. Keep up the great content. We enjoy it. Yeah, of course. Awesome. All right. Have a good one. Have a good one. Bye-bye.